wedding time. Uh -oh. Amen. Uh -oh. Amen. We are. Ha we have Apostle Susie and Howard bringing the word. Give God a Holy Ghost praise. Good job, exhorter. Was this her first time exhorting here? Yes, good job. You brought the excitement. Very good. You acknowledged my musicians. I take personal ownership and delight in them. Amen. Welcome to the Apostles' House once again as the children are going up to Children's Church. You all may take your seats. I also want to acknowledge just coming from your leader's mouth and your leader's desk, her office, um, the great things that I, I have experienced on this week with this church, this here church, that get on my nerve church, but can still bring tears to my eyes church. Woo! I know, right? It started out with that darn event, starting out Bible study for us on Tuesday night. Was that a miracle? Did Peter walk on water Tuesday night? She was like, I'm a volunteer, I see you, whatever. She says, no, I'm serious. I said, you play too much, leave me alone. I don't have time for it today. It's a nice day out. Don't text me today. Don't mess my day. Ma, I'm serious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Bible study. You're all right, Devin. I told you don't text me. You're still texting me. I'm serious. I said, okay, here's the titles. Pick one then. Girl, get out of here. She texts back. I'm going to pick this one right here. I said, well, that's opening night. She's like, I would pick the one that opens up. She said, I'm still going to do it. I told the elders, I said, can y'all believe Sister Devin? Say it, elder. Sister Devin. Uh-huh. Yes. Let's, let's say it one more time. Sister Devin. Uh-huh. She know what I'm saying to her signed up and brought the education and information forth on Tuesday night. And I'm proud because this is a spiritual development center and we're looking to see the ministers move up in their position and in their places and stop leaving it to the same old people over and over again. If you know anything about me or even apostleship, there has to be change. When there's no change, it not only, it, it, it sucks life from the vision, it doesn't give your leader any kind of wind to know that the house is moving in a direction of movement, right? Where there was no newness, no birthing, uh, no new growth. Jesus cursed the fig tree. And when I see the minister stepping up, it blesses me and it revives the vision and it gives me wind. And it was beautiful to see all that. And that one elder was like, mm. <laughs> her main supporter, Elder Joy. But it was, it was a blessing. And then um, to move from Tuesday and to move until Saturday when class 10. My God. I would like at this moment for class 10 to come up front. I tried to get, oh, I did get Diana's attention. Ramanita, I want y'all to come up front. Come on up front, class 10. That's, Elder Joy said y'all deserve it. And I want y'all to take a bow before the congregation that y'all ministered to on yesterday. Class 10, take a bow. Amen. 
Listen, these leaders that came in here yesterday, they were so honored. When they got to the mic to come up and talk, they broke down crying. And they said, they're so used to, this is the class president, y'all. Here's the class president for this internship event. And when um, each person got up, one of them, um, Janice, she's the second in command to our mayor. Did y'all hear? Second in command. I had a chance to briefly talk to each of them, and every conversation with them was kingdom biblical. That I wish that we had them get up and have some more words than what they did with just being thankful for being here from the Christian police officer who's in charge of the faith-based portion of the police department was here. We had the second in command to the mayor. She brought her mama with her. Her mama was a delight. We had a young firefighter come in here and represent the fire department. And um, was one morning and superintendent of the schools, superintendent of the school system they had in here. And the first one to get up to speak was the mayor's second in command. And I'm repeating that on purpose. And she said she always gets up with a joke or a laughter. That's how she, you know, moves the crowd. She said, but when she got here, she couldn't move the crowd because she felt ministered to. She felt loved and appreciated and supported. And she started out, and she started out weeping. And uh, it was just a delight. She was sitting there talking with me, and she told me, she said, you know, the mayor called me, and the mayor appointed me. And I looked at her, I said, don't start. Please don't start. She said, well, what's going on? I said, this is what I want the citizens of this congregation to understand. When God calls you, it's greater than the mayor calling you. And when he calls you, he didn't just call you because somebody else didn't answer. He called because he appointed you. And she said, because I was appointed, I don't say no. She said, I love my job. I work seven days a week and I don't feel like I even work one. She said, I love what I do. The harassing, complaining phone calls, they don't know me. They're not attacking me. They're passionate about what they believe in. And she, I said, can you just get up there and share that? And did she not bless this class and minister to them at the end? To get us to understand that the government of our city is a reflection of the government of God. If the church could only understand that we're supposed to operate as a government and not an Elks Club or VFW Club, we're not in here just for membership. We are called and appointed by the Most High God. And not to take it lightly. It was just a blessing. The, um, I spoke with the, the police officer again just briefly, and he was sharing how he had to really work with his family to understand his appointment. He said the appointment doesn't understand the family. The family has to understand the appointment. And it was so on time yesterday because we were in prophetic training with the prophets. Every Saturday morning I'm with the prophets. Afternoon I'm with the prophets. And in our prophetic training, we talked about how people have used excuses with God to say my wife stopped me, my kids stopped me, my job stopped me, I can't do this and I can't do that. And there was a, 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 a testimony and a scripture given how people who kept using excuses to God, whether they were real or y'all lying, right? That God said, I know I'm not the problem. So they must be the problem from my appointed position and calling of you. So I'll move them from you. 
And the, yes, sir, right? And the story went that we have to stop using excuses to God because God is not going to let anything separate us from the call or the love that God has for us. So be careful what we say in the appointed time that God has called us to lead in leadership. This serious work. That's why we don't push anyone, and I don't like anyone to be pushed. I even told class 10, I said, this class right here, y'all carry one another. I watched it. Y'all supported one another. When one fell, y'all dragged the body. Y'all made sure, oh, they're here and accounted for. They brought each other over that finish line, and that's teamwork. But I also told them this class was Survivor's Island, and y'all not going to be able to carry anybody over this last threshold because... This call is nothing to play with. As they said last night, it's an honor, but it's still an appointment. It was deep. And, and so many of them, I even one of them I want to come back to actually speak at their graduation. I asked if they would come back and speak because she had such a message how she um, she's second in command to the um, Harvard School System superintendent. And she said that it was such an honor to be second in command to great leadership and how we don't understand the difference of working with leadership to working under great leadership. And we need to understand that in our marketplace jobs or whatever it is we're doing, it's still ministry. The minister doesn't separate work from ministry. And she said even in her office, her appointed place, it's, she goes in as ministry. They all gave scriptures. I mean, the young fireman, he was just overwhelmed. Each of them had a title sermon. He said, he got up here, he said, when, when the chief asked me to stand in their, in their place, he said, I was like, why me? He said, but I stand here to, tonight to say, why not me? I was like, these folks is tearing it up tonight. Y'all missed it. I wish we had the capacity, right, and the resources to have everyone here. But to those that knows how to have an ear to hear opportunity, Y'all got on on some good stuff on last night. They love the Apostles' House. They're going and telling people about the Apostles' House. A couple people caught my name out. I didn't even know who they were, and they were waving to me, and I just, you know, I do my thing. <laughs> I said, Maria, who is that? People know us that we don't even know or who face we don't even remember. So remember as you go out, not just this church is watching you, not just other church people are watching you, but people in your city know your face, if not your name. They know the leadership you're under, the church you attend, and they're watching you. I just want to hear from a, a couple, if not all of you, if you have something short to say that you gleaned from yesterday. And I'll start with the class president. Amen. everyone. God bless you all. On yesterday, I have witnessed how powerful teamwork can be. I give my hats off to my leaders here. God bless you all. You guys pull things together and it's honor and gratitude, dedication belongs to you all. Thank you. That's good. Come on, he's To God uh -oh. be the glory. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, to keep to this, what Apostle said to do, um, one thing that I learned yesterday uh, was um, what uh, Janice Castle shared about Thank appointment. You. Um, and understanding that what we're called to is not by chance. And one thing that she said stood out uh, was that today it's a yes, and I'm excited today. And on the days when I don't want to do it and I'm upset or I'm tired or things are not going well, if I go into the face of God and I'm like, not today, God's looking at me like we have a problem. And so just remembering, like, it's humbling for me, just helping me to remember at the start of this walk, at the start of this journey, that my strong yes now has to be the same a month from now, has to be the same a year from now, 10 years, and all the way to the end of my life. Um, so just understanding the seriousness of appointment and the lifelong call, the lifelong nature of it, that there's really no days off. And so I'm very honored Amen. to honor my leaders and serve and honored to be imparted to. So just pray for us.
figures and how happy they were, which made me happy. You know, um, I went around to each one of them and I'm sitting down and talking to them. And like uh, Apostle said, they was honored and I was honored. So um, I learned humbleness, I learned patience, and I learned the will to to give, you know, um, to give freely my my voice. You know, I learned how important my voice is to leadership that I didn't even know. You know what I'm saying? And this is funny, but I'm going to tell y'all. Instead of the police taking a picture of me, I took a picture with the police. You know, and that, that, that was new. That, 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 I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real about it, you know. So, I, and I was, that blessed me. I, I, grabbed the, I grabbed the officer. And I said that, you know, I want to take a picture with you. And he was happy. And, but he, you don't know, that, hum, that humbled me and blessed me because it showed me how my life turned around. You know what I'm saying? So, I took the picture with the police. Police ain't take the picture of me. That's the Apostles' House welcome. We take pictures with the police. They no longer take pictures of us.
circle for me because I struggle sometimes with my calling and I struggle with knowing who I am in God and overcoming that so the superintendent went up there last night and she spoke about her background and how she didn't come from an educated or a financially stable background but yet she was there and she was in the room with people that had education and had these backgrounds that she didn't come from. And it touched place with me because I know where I came from. And sometimes it comes back to me and it's like, you know, the whispers come in and they're like, you don't belong here. You don't got the education. You don't have the financial background. You don't have what it is that you need to be here. But then I hear God says, I called you from the womb. He says, I qualified you from the womb. And I just thank God, because last night we were able to bring full circle everything that we went through throughout these six weeks, throughout these four years, we brought it full circle and we been was able to serve those that serve us. So I feel blessed this morning and blessed for being. All right. So uh, basically what I got out of it was, uh, I mean, what I got, um, I remember the first time I, I came into the apostles house, right? And, um, I was relating to the firefighter because I know what it is to wonder why me. Um, and I remember the first time coming in here, I saw Tetrick. Tetrick was the first one that prayed for me when I came in here. And I listened to his prayer and how he prayed over me. 
And I was like, God, this ain't the place for me. They too smart for me. My reading level was at a third grade in high school. I was a special at all my life. So I stood next to the firefighter. And I told him, I said, you know what? You made that statement, right? I said, I remember coming in here. And I told myself, this ain't the place for me. I said, I can't be here, God. You know how much I greed. You know all, all the knowledge. You know what I got. And I told him, but sometimes God places you around greatness so that you can pull, they can pull out the greatness in you. And as I sat there and I spoke to him, he just looked at me. I said, so I know where you're coming from because I was in that position. And um, I'm just honored, you know, to be in a position where even at times, like, like Anya said, I struggle with certain things because I don't have all that knowledge, you know what I mean, That's in certain areas. But um, just to be in a position to see the, 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 the courageousness come out of me, put myself in position. The Apostle House has helped me to be in leadership, even lead outside the church. So um, I'm honored to be able to be involved with this team, that they helped me out big time when I was lacking in certain areas. So I just, I'm honored to be around all these leaders. me from my mother's womb because I'm appointed and anointed to preach this gospel. Hallelujah. I thank him because where I'm working at, like the mayor, I don't feel like I'm going to work because I'm able to hear gospel music. I'm able to minister to the people there. I love it because as long as I could talk about God, I'm happy. Amen. I also have a lot in common with the leaders that were here yesterday from poverty, from having parents finished school at second grade. So we had a lot in common from going to the Salvation Army because that's what my mother taught us to, living in the Hartford. Um, I had to learn the hard way. Well, I've been through a lot in my life, but God continued to keep me, to be next to me, to for me to do his will. It's not my will, it's his will. So I am thankful. Yes. And as I was here yesterday, listening to all the leaders, I was able also to minister to the firefighter while I was here. So I am thankful, thankful that he used me to do that, allow me to speak to all of them. It was a journey. And I, all, I had, all I could say is that don't matter what you go through life, even the obstacles, continue to do what God has for you because it's not easy. We're going to have a lot of trials and tribulations, but no matter what, because in the, his word it said we can't do all things through him that give us the strength, no, even when we're weak. Because with everything, everything is, is possible. So continue your journey. Continue to do what you need to do for him. And then don't let nothing bring you down. Just even if you fall, you stray away, get back up again. Because he forgive us. He's always there with us. He's not going to leave us on the floor. He's going to pick us up like in the footprints. We're walking. But what he's doing? He's walking beside us and then he carries us. So let's continue. I just want to encourage you all that. Continue to do the great works. Continue to do what God has for you. And I know for his calling is not easy for us, but he chose us from our mother's womb. Yes. He, he wore the light in the darkness. So he's going to continue to use us in the darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I just want to say, continue to do the great works. Continue to do what you need to do. Give him all the glory and the honor. Because he deserves all the glory and all the praises that do unto his name. Hallelujah. Thank you. Apostle. Thank you for everything that you had done. Thank you because you're my spiritual mom. Um, through you, I learned a lot. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for that. And also because I'm, I'm coming out of my show. 
I'm too quiet, so I'm being more bold now. So I am grateful to God. Amen. As on yesterday, I met friends. I we were friends in the past. And Reverend Barnett knows him. His name is John. And we went to Strive program together. And it was 10 years ago. And just to kind of connect and see the progress and what he's made. And it was an honor. And we just, you know, we shared. And um, another guy, he was Atif. He was from the fire department. And he was my next door neighbor back in the past. And to see him here and, and being in, in, in his office, it was, it was an honor. And, we you know, we, we connected. And we have Janice, which is the the the, the second in command to, to, to the mayor. Uh, when she's from the islands, and she came here. And what resonated what resonated with me with her was the background, how she how they went through the Salvation Army. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I, I used to go to the Salvation Army on Woodland Street and and Homestead, and get that clothes and made fun up in school and you know and bullied and bullied and stuff like that so it resonated with me as well and the the superintendent that resonated with me too because I have a I have parents with with you know third grade education background and it, it grabbed my attention that wow these people are so humble and they're honored and they're they're in this place because God has placed them there so do not allow your background to dictate what God has for you. Thank you. Howdy, y'all. Thank you very much. You can take your seats. That was beautiful. Good job. Yesterday was just, it was just everything that we've decided that we're going to do it every year. We're going to bring in the local leadership every year and honor them. And what was different about this year, I don't think the year y'all class did it, that there were any women. Was there any women that came with the leadership or was it just men? I don't remember any women. Nope. And um, this year there was more women in the leadership of Hartford and um, it was, it wasn't any top leadership. It was their second in commands that showed up. And they were all amazed that the, the mayor's second in command said that when the invitation came, she gave it to him. And then Anna and them called and followed up. And she said, they said, no, we want you. She's like, you want me? What do you want me for? And then they all realized that what they're doing is a great work. And they deserve to be honored and shown some love as well. And it, it, the whole thing was just kingdom. The whole thing, there's no way. And they had no idea what I was hearing. I could tell. Because I was like, oh, my God, don't say that again. And they were like, what? Like, this lady's getting like, woohoo off a word. Like, But it was all kingdom. And it was so pivotal to what this class I believe needed to hear what I hear the Lord saying to this class and to those that are online and in this room today it's not your call that you don't feel qualified for you've got to work on your self-esteem you have to work on your self-esteem because that self-esteem is going to follow you until you meet the grave every time an opportunity comes you're going to struggle with it and you're going to think, why me? Why would God choose me? I mean, look at them jokers in the Bible. I haven't done half the things David did. I never ran a brothel like Rahab did. I ain't cut Apostle Bill's people off in the ear not one time. 
These people in the Bible got some stories. They got lifetime, days of our lives as the world turns. Why not you? He chose specific people in the scriptures to show us. I need everyone who has this issue with the doubting and you're going five steps forward and 10 steps back. You need to make a promise to yourself that you're going to spend the next 12 months in your personal development of working on your self-esteem. Your self-esteem is haunting you. When I coach clients, I call it ghosts. I said, you have a ghost, and this is what your ghost is. And until you get rid of that ghost, shine some light on that ghost, which is the truth. Until you do that, every time promotion comes, opportunity comes, a new assignment comes, a new friendship comes, an involvement comes for you to be in a network, that ghost is going to show up. And it's going to scare you out of what God has for you. You need to spend the next 12 months working on your self-esteem. In my mentorship class, we start out every week with their journal. What is it that you need to work on this week with yourself? To bring an awareness to ourselves that there's unfinished work. Because of the fall of mankind, there is an unfinished work. There's a dysfunction in us that is being hereditarily passed down from our parents. Half the stuff that we're dealing with, we didn't even do. We didn't even sign up for it's passed down to us and it becomes this generational lack of knowledge and then it becomes this excuse where well, everybody in my family's like that I've always been like this I'm always going to be like that no 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 you struggle with your calling because of your self-esteem when God when I recognized the call on my life to be an apostle I never even knew what an apostle was never even heard of it people were prophesying it to me I was like whatever I don't know what it is the pastor is enough for me right the, the reason I struggled with the calling, the reason why I didn't feel, and somebody said about tables last night, I think it was maybe the superintendent, the reason why I didn't feel I was qualified to be at tables, not because I didn't have the education that the apostles that I was with had, not because of their, their longevity in ministry, not because of their accomplishments, because of my inner me. My inner me did not have the esteem or the confidence to show up at the tables of the elect and the elite that God had appointed me to. A reflection of who you sit with at the tables is a reflection of who God has called you to be. But you can't sit back and say, God's my co-pilot. I'm gonna wait for God to do it. This awareness has come to you today. Make a commitment to yourself. For the next 12 months, I'm gonna work on my self-esteem. So when opportunity knocks, I don't blow it. So when an opportunity comes my way, I don't talk myself out of it. Because self-esteem has a way of giving you self-talk that talks you out of the very place and the very thing you longed for in your life. Can anybody say that? You go to heaven, but you'll go to heaven with low self-esteem on your record on the earth. There's a dysfunction in the earth. There's cultural dysfunctions. You know, we got them in our own cultures. And don't think Caucasians don't. I've worked with them for many years. They have a lot of dysfunctions as well. But there are some recognized known issues in our culture that you know is in your family line. Work on it. What's stopping you from working on it? Nothing. We have elders and pastors in this congregation that can be accountable with you to make sure you get the work done. But this is the only thing that's going to hinder you and have you get into his face on that glorious day and say, I didn't do this because of my spouse. I didn't do this because of my church. I didn't do this because I had so much pain. I was always the victim. 
And he's going to look at you and say, well, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you something to do with, and you did nothing with what I gave you because you were stuck on what somebody else didn't give you? Return from me. And everything you have, he says, he gave to the rich. Why does God give to the rich? Because he know they know what to do with it. Now, you can be rich in talent, rich in wealth, rich in emotional intelligence, rich in gifts, but whatever God has given you, you have to use it until it's multiplied and duplicated in this earth. There is no excuse when you know the creator of heaven and earth. Work on that. Because every time we get up here and we say, I didn't feel worthy, or, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, it's your self-esteem answering the call. Amen? Can we receive that today? Amen. Amen. Work on that with yourself. Your own leader had to do it. Y'all picked the perfect examples. Or the Holy Ghost had the perfect examples respond to the invitations yesterday. The, the, the superintendent of the Harvard school system said her, her uh, grandparent had a, I think, a third grade education. I don't think her dad, she said, got past fifth grade education. How do you explain in the natural how someone like that can become superintendent of teachers? She's not just a teacher. She said, what? Absolutely. She knew she wasn't supposed to be here. Statistics is what we go by. We got the Barna group, and we got all these survey groups, assessment groups, statistics groups, and they tell us, what's your chances of surviving the ghetto? What's your chances of surviving your culture? What's your chances of surviving your city? What, what particular city would you do better in dating-wise and, and, and financial reasons and, and um, longer life? They got all these statistics out there. You think God cares about statistics? He is the record-breaking God. He is the statistic-breaking God. But you can't get in him and be saved and make your way to heaven, and that's enough. You've got to get in him and do your work. You've got to do your work. There's a personal development that has to be done in all of us. The only reason why I'm still standing up here after 15 years is because of the work that I've done through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Do you all understand that? We can't put that all on the Holy Spirit to do. He brings us revelation. He brings us knowledge. What are we doing with it? There's a work we have to do. I had to get my emotional intelligence together. When I found out from my mentor in the apostleship that you have to understand God's government and understand that when you are appointed by God, think of Congress. You don't think Congress has problems in their marriage and got to show up at that desk and work 8, 10, 12, 14 hours overnight knowing that they've left problems at home? You don't have a right to call out because you had a fight. Hello, somebody. He said, you don't think that some of them representatives left their kids home with chicken pox and runny noses. You don't think they left some of their children home and they had a, a play in school that day that they couldn't attend. This is what the government of God is supposed to be like. But the church only knows the church. They don't know the kingdom. So I think it was Lulu that said y'all could have called out. Not in this church you couldn't call out. And I know everybody was. was like, uh-uh-uh. Y'all wouldn't have been here. Y'all would have been going by visit two, or at least the first month you would have realized, well, we don't do that here. Call out for what? It's an appointment. Some of y'all I didn't choose. 
have to work with you because God chose you. Some of y'all too slow, you're too lazy, you're too forgetful, you procrastinate too much, you got too many issues, you're unprofessional, you show up late. I wouldn't choose the disciples that I got. You're nasty to one another. I wouldn't pick you. This is an appointed office. God does the appointing. And when he shows me who, I have to get my emotions together to work with every single individual and every different personality. Because this is an appointed office. What are we appointed to? We are appointed to make sure that the gates of hell do not prevail against this church that Jesus Christ has built. I liked how you stated, Lulu, that it's Mother's Day, but it's Jesus' time. Because a lot of churches right now are decorated for Mother's Day. A lot of churches right now, they're all bowing down and recognizing the first lady. And they're celebrating the first lady. And they're bringing offerings to the first lady. I don't see any of that around here. This is the house that Jesus built. That the gates of hell shall not prevail against. It's nice to honor our leaders. It's nice to honor those that labor among us. But when we get in here, we have to keep our focus. We don't decorate the pulpit with, with Mother's Day stuff and, and the, the, y'all with y'all giants and Dallas Cowboys and all that other stuff. We don't do all that. Decorate your altars of, of the Patriots and Dallas and the Giants at home. But this altar belongs to the Lord Jesus. There's a difference. And when you come in, you should be able to see the culture of the kingdom in the house of God and the culture of its representatives in the house of God. It's different than going to church. A lot of us left things crying, left things unsettled. But it is not an excuse to have your life upside down and out of order because you're in church all the time. You've got to work this stuff out. You've got to work it out so that your life can balance that those who see you, that scripture you picked today. So those that see you, it says, let your salvation show forth. I wonder if anybody knows what does it mean to let your salvation show forth. We are bigger role models outside the church than we are in. People watch us more outside the church than they do in. And you need to remember that when you pay your bills late and you're telling people off at the counter in the gas station and you're stealing stuff and you're taking stuff that you know they forgot to ring in the register, but you put it in the bag and called it a blessing. God is not the author of confusion and God never needs to cause sin to happen in order for his people to be blessed. Amen. That leadership yesterday was amazing to us. And we're going to do it again. So y'all turn in that stuff that y'all walked out the store with and called it a blessing. Because it wasn't a blessing. Are y'all clear? I love you. Go ahead and laugh. Laughter is good for the soul. Church can't just be a spiritual place. We have souls we in 24-7. And we have to learn to drink that medicine that's good for the bones. Amen? Let me just start this teaching today and then um, we'll... we'll take it to higher heights as we go on throughout the month and the weeks. And Reverend Jerry, you had a comment about this when we had a, a talk about this text. And um, I charged you to get a sermon ready. Uh-huh, yes, yes. Did y'all hear that? Yes, yes. <laughs> Class 10, 
I want y'all all to shout appointed. appointed. Oh, that was weak. Let's try it again. Class 10. Appointed. Appointed. One, two, three. Okay, just in case anybody forgot in the room, because they securing something. There's a desk that needs securing, as, as there is a voice inside of you. And there is a spear of the kingdom that needs to come through you. Amen? Amen. Love you, brother. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans 8 and 28. Aha. Uh-huh. We're going to deal with this cognitive cerebral thing that God has given us in our head. We're going to deal with this thing between our ears, this thing behind our eyes, this thing that makes us have such big heads. Take that either way. (laughs) The Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, I'm going to read it from uh, the New Living. Let's see, 28, there she goes. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Two things I want to lift out of this text. First, I want you to lift the word no, K-N-O-W, absolutely. The second thing I want you to lift from this text, and I'm going to read it again for you. And we know that God causes everything to work together. Doesn't mean God caused everything. The text says God causes everything to work together. Oftentimes, we will have the most horrific, traumatic stories in our life, trauma beyond trauma, and say, well, God allowed it so I can bless somebody else's life. I can't stand that statement because I counsel little children who've been molested multiple times by multiple people in families, in churches, in daycares. And they have bought into this thing that God loves them so much that God chose them to be traumatized as a child so that somebody else could be traumatized but blessed by their story. There are choices. We talked yesterday in the prophetic training that, come on Holy Spirit, bring it back, that God has given charge to the children of men to run the earth. There's a scripture, I think it's in Hebrews, I think we have to pull it up. What is it? We think it's Hebrews 5. We'll help you with that in the end. That God has given control to mankind to operate in the earth. The pain and the trauma that you have was the, as a child is the responsibility of some governing adult. Mama and daddy in particular who should have watched you and guarded you. Been attuned in your life. Emotionally supportive. Protecting you. And these things happen anyway. We're in a dysfunctional world. We talked about that. But understanding, God does not need anyone to be traumatized. First of all, it goes back to the concept of sin. Why would God allow someone to sin so he could use you as a testimony in his kingdom? That means God needs sin. That God created sin. He didn't create sin. He created sinful man. So when we read this text, when you minister to people, let them know that God didn't cause this to happen to you. But God is going to use the thing that happened to you for your good. 
That's how much he loves us. He doesn't need that horrific story. The reason why the police chief wasn't here yesterday is because his father died in a fire this week with his dog, the police chief. Check tomorrow and see if he's back in his office yet. His father died with his dog named Angel in a fire. And the apostles' house, a church, wants to recognize him and honor him and love him. Before we even knew that this was going to happen, we showed up. Anna and them are all ready to go to his office after his bereavement days to let him know that we are not letting this go. We're going to pray you through this traumatic story and let them know God loves you. God didn't cause this, but God will yet use this for your good. We know you can't see it right now. You can't even believe it right now. It sounds crazy right now. But when your mind can get out of your human mindset, God can open you up and expose you to things that you've never even thought or even imagined. He's a good God, church. The Bible says, and we know that God causes all things to work together. The word know itself is something some, one of these ministers could do a whole sermon on. To know means you have information in your mind. That's why testimonies used to be so powerful in the old church because they got up and shared what they know. They shared what they knew in their mind God to be. To know means you are aware of something. K-N-O-W. To know means you're conscious. To know means you're cognizant. C-O-G-N-I-Z-A-N-T. Why does God say, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose? Because everything starts in the mind. You're struggling with your calling because it's in your mind. It's not in God's mind. You're struggling in your relationships because it's in your mind. You're struggling in your identity because it's in your mind. Psychologically speaking, church, there's two mindsets. There's two mindsets. There's one that's called the fixed mindset, and there's one that's called the growth mindset. There's two mindsets. We're talking about knowing. We're talking about things starting in the mind with God. When God meets a lot of us, we have a fixed mindset. We're pretty sure how life is and not surprised too many times when life gets rough. We're fixed on certain things. He even said to keep your mind fixed on him. Keep your thoughts fixed on things above. What does he mean by keeping your thoughts fixed on things above? What does he mean by keeping your mind fixed on God? It means stay one track. Stay one track with me. Stay one track in your thoughts of me. Stay one track when you think of how I am in your life, the things that I can do in your life. Don't have a growth mindset because I'm not changing. I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Be fixed on these things. Be steadfast, unmovable. Be fixed in your mind on these things. But then what he does to us, when he calls us and gives us that new nature, that new life in Christ, he changes a mindset to a growth mindset. 
because he wants you to know that everything that you thought you knew, I'm getting ready to change. Everything that you say was hereditary, I'm able to correct. Everything that you feel you can't learn, you can't read, you can't get a job, you can't get married, you can't, you can't, you can't. God says, I am the God that changes your mind because I need your mind to be changed, to be transformed, to be renewed. So have a growth mindset in me. Do you understand that as believers, we have to have a mind that's renewed every day? What does that mean to you individually? What have you done with this text individually in your life? What does it mean to renew your mind daily? What are we doing for mind renewals? Some of y'all are renewing the muscles. You're renewing them calves. You're renewing your stretches, your planks, your Pilates. We're renewing that body every day because we know if we don't renew the body, right, it's going to keep an old memory. And if it keeps an old memory, you ain't going to be able to work out. You're not going to be able to stretch because the body has memories. So does the mind. But God needs us to have a renewed mind every day. What you experienced yesterday is yesterday. Today is a new mind in God. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and every day he wants to make things new. But we don't allow it to happen because we keep our mindset. The reason why the majority of the church as a whole struggles in their salvation with God is because we gave them our heart, but we never gave them our mind. For the other half of the church, we've given him our mind. We know the scripts. We've become very legalistic about the word of God, but we have not given God our heart. Some of us, our hearts are still broken from childhood, teenagehood, adulthood, and you've declared no one's ever going to get your heart again. What you don't realize is you've even locked God out of your heart. And you cannot walk this walk with God and only give him half of you. God is coming for your heart and your mind. He's not judging the actions. He's judging the motives. And he's realizing that you are only able to do what you're able to do because you have a fixed mindset. But in Christ, it has to be renewed daily. We have to get new mercies daily. We get new grace daily. And guess what you have to give to other people? That's when we speak in tongues because we don't want to acknowledge it in the English language. You know, all the angels understand it. But I, I don't want to speak it in my verbiage because I don't want to understand it. Everything has to become new. It's like waking up every day with a new life. That's a growth mindset. And when you have a fix, it's just the way I am. This is the way we were raised. That's not in God. God is going to come and turn your entire world upside down. A growth mindset means that you believe your intelligence and talents can be developed over time. A growth mindset means that you can believe your intelligence and your talents can be developed over time. Or as we stated already, spiritually stated, renewed, being a new creation. I'm no longer a ram, an Aries, when I come into God. That's why he used creature instead of person. Instead of saying you're a new person, he was dealing with the astrologist. 
And he was speaking astrology to the astrologers. And he was letting the astrologers know, no, they're not new people in me. They're new creatures in me. See, God knows how to talk to the astrologers, the scientists, the biomedicalists, the chemists. You read the book, you'll see he addresses every one of these great teachers, these great influencers, these Pharisees and Sadducees and these ones who don't believe in any these. He knows how to deal with them. He said, you're a new creature. So when we get caught up on our daily horoscope, what's the Libra say? What's the Aquarian say? What's the Gemini say? What's the Capricorn say? God said, you're a new creature. You can continue to let these predictions prophesy your life, or you can pick up the word of God and find out the new creation that I have for your life. You're a new creature. You're new. All things become new. Didn't he say that? Is that in the word? Behold, he says, all things become new. You have to have a mindset in Christ that's willing to grow, that's willing to change. A fixed mindset means that you believe your intelligence is fixed. So if you're not good at something, you might believe that you'll never be good at it or anything else. In this same text, Martin Luther had written that this chapter, in particular Romans 8, is where Apostle Paul was comforting the fighters of the gospel. Comfort for the fighters that were involved in inner struggles. See, we think of fighting, we think about fighting other people. But how many times a day are you in a fight with yourself? Apostle Paul was comforting the fighters, those who are involved in inner struggles between the flesh realm and the spiritual realm. Apostle Paul was the man on that. He said, though I know I ought to do good, I keep choosing the, the bad that I know I ought not to do, and the good I know I ought to be doing don't interest me at all. I speak in tongues over it, so I don't have to acknowledge it. To the fighters, to those that deserve a chance to be renewed in God, to those that are their biggest enemy. You are your biggest threat, your biggest saboteur. You are the one that has hindered your growth, hindered your deliverance. Every time something good but challenging comes your way, you leave because you don't like a good challenge because you believe what you are is fixed. The only thing that should be fixed is a mind that stayed on God, a mind that is focused on thoughts that are good, that are pure, that are holy, thoughts that are above what you already know and ask or think. But in God, we have to have a renewing mind. We have to have a mind that understands that transformation is not only possible, it is mandatory in your new creation life. That's why it doesn't matter what your proclivities were before Christ. And it doesn't mean that they are physically gone the next day. But we know all these things. That all things work together for the good of them. Come on, y'all. You know the book. This is what he wants us to know. He doesn't want us to judge the homosexual. He doesn't want us to attack the, the girl who keeps having kids with different baby fathers. He wants us to introduce them to a growth mindset. He wants us to introduce them to that all things are going to work together for the good of them. He wants us to let people know of his saving grace, of his renewing nature, of the new creation life that he's given us. He wants us to know you ain't like your mammy or your pappy. You're like me, your God that is in heaven. And we know, and we know that Apostle Paul in his text was encouraging the fighters. Are there any fighters in here today? 
fighters, fighters. I know y'all like spiritual warfare, and I know y'all like to go down in prayer, but I'm talking to those today that are fighting that inner struggle, that struggle that's between your flesh realm and your spiritual realm, that realm that wants to do good in your life, and that part of your natural realm that is just happy with the way things is. I don't know what this change will cause in my life. I don't know what this opportunity is going to need for my life. I don't know if I'm going to fail. I fear failure. I don't know if I'm going to succeed. I fear success. I don't have a growth mindset, but God said, if you're really going to be saved by the end of the series, I'm going to need your whole heart and your whole mind. In this eighth chapter, this epistle to the Romans, Apostle Paul, while in Corinth, writes about the spiritual life. It wasn't a church that he found. He didn't find this church in Rome. This wasn't one that he was the founder of. That's why we can't say that apostles are the founders of the church. They are not founders of the church. When Apostle Paul traveled from village to village and town to town, there were churches already established in those homes. Women were running those churches. Men were running those churches. Couples were running those churches. People who had a new faith in Christ were running those churches. But they had no one to come in here and give them the blueprint of a spiritual life. They had no one to tell them that your mind is fixed. But in God, it's got to be about growth. It's got to be about a daily renewal. So Apostle Paul stopped by this church that he got wind of was operating in Rome and it was growing quite well that Apostle Paul wanted to stop there and let them know that he wanted to introduce himself to this congregation but he also wanted to get them an overview of the gospel he wanted them to know what it means the gospel means in the lives of believers after teaching the doctrine of God's righteousness that is ours only after faith in Christ Apostle Paul then exhorts us to godly living. Membership went down that day. People got sick that day. They, they, they weren't coming out like they used to come out. You know, you got to bring a prophet in once a while to revive the people to get them back in church. Oh, I didn't even know you were still in town. Apostle Paul had to confront this issue. He had to remind people that there's two things that have to take place. It's not just confessing with your mouth. Actually, if I'm going to really teach the lesson correctly, there's three things that have to take place because you have to confess from your mouth but you can only confess from your mouth what you believe in your heart that you know with your mind if you don't know it with your mind your heart is a hypocrite if you don't know it with your mind your heart is speaking out of the abundance that the mouth has given it unction to speak but there's no there's no agreement there's no duality. There's no relationship. There's no conformity. Because I'm speaking it because the church wants me to say it. I'm speaking it because the pastor wants me to say it. But inside, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm in a fight on the inside. Because there's things that I still do that I believe God doesn't want me to do any longer. But I believe I was made like this. I believe I was created like this. I don't believe God made a mistake. I just believe God made me this way. So I'm going to find a church that promotes my behavior. That promotes my lifestyle. That promotes my ways so that I can feel comfortable in Christ in my sin. Apostle Paul said, no, 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 no. He's the God of righteousness. And I'm teaching you the doctrine of righteousness. But I need you to understand that I appeal you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We come this by faith. That's what we call worship. The Bible.
Bible says, if you study the Bible, not just read the Bible, that this is your spiritual worship, uh, presenting your body to God as a living sacrifice. Holy, which doesn't mean long dresses, no makeup, and a doily on your head. Literally, it does not. I'm not attacking any other religious organization. It literally does not mean that. Holy means to be one with God. So when my skirt is too short, he will convict me. When my mouth is out of order, he will convict me. He's going to renew me. He's going to renew me. He's going to renew me as he gives me new mercies, as he gives me new grace daily. I have to have a mind that's about growth in God. I have to operate in my new creation because all things are passed away. Or are they? Why are we still struggling? Why are we still struggling? It should be accepted or expected. It should be expected that the world will come in the church and say, I don't know why me. And all of us sitting there and be like, we can tell you why. <laughs> the world, it's legislators, it's wisdom, it's wise people, it's wealthy people should come into the church that, that will never have the education or the wealth that perhaps they have. And they could get up there and say, I don't deserve this because of what I came from. And the church could say easily, no, because our father has a cattle on a thousand hills. Opportunities are expansive. Opportunities are endless. You can't even see to the end of what God has for you to do. But when your mind is fixed, there's no growth. There's no change in you. It's like talking to a drunk person. The drunk person is not trying to have a communicative conversation with you. A drunk person wants you to hear what they don't give themselves the power to say sober. So when a drunk person is, is your ministry for the night, you have to listen with an ear. Give empathy, take notes. And then at another moment, you have to approach the issues that are the depth of their heart and their soul. Because the drunk person has been locked in bondage in a prison of a mind that's called fixed. My mind is fixed and it's not fixed on things above. It's not fixed on the way God told me to be and the, the way God told me to think. It's fixed on what I believe about myself. And I got these beliefs from somewhere down in my family line. Because we only learn and live out the things that we were raised in. We're all products of our environment. Until we give our heart and our mind to God. For years I served God with my heart. I cried for everybody. I wept for everybody. I gave to everyone. I bought what I can. I gave rides. I gave gas. I cooked meals. I did everything out of my heart and my mind. I was like, nobody appreciates me. You got a fixed mindset. Because if you had a new mindset, if you had a growth mindset, you understand that God is using you to work all things together for this other individual. But when you're looking for praise and thanksgiving from another man, another woman, you know, mankind, your mind is stuck on things below instead of things above. Our thanks comes from God Almighty. I'm almost done. It's 109. I appeal you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, one, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing, God will never test you. Yes, he will. He will never tempt you, but God is sure to test you. For the renewing of your mind, that by testing you 
may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. World in this text here refers to the popular world view. This world view has entered the church and a lot of us leaders have to fight world views with our members that God has given us to oversee the flock of God for him. We have to contend, we have to make arguments that even though marijuana is legal, why it's not legal for the Christian, that there's a different law that we follow. We have to contend with same-sex marriages because the world has made it what it is. But in Christ, we're new creatures. We have a growth mindset. I once was gay, but I'm no longer gay. I once was a whore, but I'm no longer a whore. I once was a thief, but I'm no longer a thief. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. We have to get our growth mindset in God, that God is about changing our entire lives. Nothing about you is going to be the same. The old churches would say, I looked at my hands and my hands look new. I look at my feet or my shoes and my feet look new. Hallelujah. They knew that there was a transformation that was happening in their lives and there was nothing that anybody could do about it. We cannot stick with the popular worldview. We came in the church. We came in the kingdom of God because we knew there was a problem with the popular worldview. And we were looking for something that fit our moral compass. We were looking for something that had something better than a religious organization. We were looking for something that would get on the inside of us and help us make the changes on the outside of us. Christendom is the only religion that gives you help for your change. Islam doesn't offer a help. They give you a list. It's your do's and your don'ts. Godspeed. Judaism doesn't help you. They don't even have the Holy Spirit. They don't even know Jesus yet. There's been no comforter, no helper, and nobody's atoned yet. So we still atoning for our stuff all the time. Christendom, the one that's majorly hated is the only one that says, I promise you a helper. I don't give you a list of do's and don'ts. I don't tell you when you're out of the game by your, your moral failures, your proclivities and your sins and your low stinking thinking, your low self-esteem. I don't put you out. He said, I am the one that gives you a helper and this helper is going to come and he's gonna show you the way. He's gonna bring you gentle convictions that will get louder over time if you keep ignoring him. He is the one that you can't hear me in your wakings. I'm going to talk to you in your sleeping. He is the one that gives us prophetic words. He's the one that brings the healings in the room. He is the helper. He is the one that, that we called, what was it, evangelist in our lay counseling training class, the paraclete. He's the one that helps us. God didn't send us defenseless. He left us with a helper. This is where I'm going to end. In order to believe the text, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, we must have the transformed mind. In order to believe, you cannot believe with the mind only or the heart only. God is after both. Some of us got married on one. God said, you ain't doing it to me. I need both. He's coming for the whole thing. In order to believe it, we must be transformed and exhibit the renewed mind.
a living sacrifice to God is one who does not conform, but is transformed. Are you conforming to the religious doctrine of your church? The religious doctrines of this church? The religious doctrine of the organization? Bible studies is going to go into doctrines in what? Semester six, I think. We're going to be going into doctrines. Find out, have you been conforming to doctrines and there's been no transformation in your life? I could do a commercial right there. Are you struggling in your walk with Christ? Are you finding love in no places at all? Do you feel alone most of the time? Do you struggle in your walk with Christ and don't understand why others are happy and joyously serving God and being transformed in the church, but you are struggling in your transformation process? There's no conversion if there's no transformation. My goal is not to have you question whether you're born again. Because ultimately the goal isn't tested until the trumpets are sounded. None of us know who's saved until the trumpet sounds. The Bible even goes even further and says the elect might be fooled. The very elect might think they're going to make it in. He said the very elect, they'll make it in by the skin on their chinny chin chin. I know everybody thinks they're saved now, but we're not saved now. We're not even delivered now. We're not. We're going through transformation processes. We're going through the process of sanctification in God. You could be delivered today from promiscuity, sexual promiscuity, and tomorrow still desire it. If it wasn't so, Apostle Paul wouldn't have warned us that there were things that he knew he ought to do well in Nothing to do with the, with the comment I just made. He had his own struggle that God didn't want to put a label on it because he wanted us all to relate to it. The things I know I ought to do, I find myself doing not. Apostle Paul, an apostle of Christ, one of the top guys in Christ. I mean, that's a witness. That's a fish. Whoever caught him, caught a fish. The one who persecuted Christians are now the persecutor of the devil. The violent taking it by force. And yet he struggled in his transformation process. Doesn't mean he ever doubted God. But he struggled in his transformation process. Because many of us are giving our hearts to God. You bleeding hearts are always crying in testimonies. And we're just, oh, but our mind. And then he goes further in the text, which I'll go in deeper in the series. He says, your hearts are far from me. Does that sound like someone who gave God their heart? That he had to take the time to inspire man to write in this awesome book? That your hearts, he says, you talk about me from your mouth, your lips, but your heart is far from me. Is that your Christian experience? Don't be embarrassed if it is. There's a reason why he had me come this way with this sermon series. This is why we're going to be ministering at the altar. We're going to offer prayer on Friday nights. We're going to get back to the altar of the church. Because you're either, what do we learn in the prophetic yesterday? You're either performing or conforming to the kingdom of God. And it takes a lot to perform to be a Christian every day. To see the right person and got to get the right walk. Put the finger up at the right time. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It takes a lot of work. 
but when it's in you. I knew when I started my transformation process, I was saved for years, okay? Saved for years, according to the church of salvation. Saved for years. And I went to a nightclub, and we was listening to jazz with a friend of mine in Atlanta. And when they finished, I said, amen! I promise you the God on is true. And everybody looked, and the guy with me was like, amen? I was like, where did that come from? When you've been transformed, it's in you. I remember when I tried to go to the nightclub and dance. When we usher, we had to put one hand behind our back. I'm on the dance floor. I'll be missing you. I was jamming. And this girl came up. She said, why is your hand behind your back? I was ushering in the nightclub, y'all. The transformation was taking place in me. And I couldn't even, I couldn't change it. I was like, I'm going to act like them. I'm going to get drunk like them. I'm going to be wild like them. I'm going to dress like them. And it didn't work. Transformation had started taking place. When you got to fight to act like you saved, it just hasn't happened yet. Don't fight it. Don't fake it. Just tell God, I'm giving you my mind and my heart. Every day when you get up, I'm giving you my mind and my heart. Take control of my mind and my heart. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and if you know anything about psychology the mind is the heart and the brain we call this the mind but this here is an organ that is known as the brain but for years we taught the church that this is a mind the, the mind and the heart is the soul Think about these scriptures. When you go through your concordance this week and you go through your Bible, look up heart. Find every text on it. Look up mind. Every text and write it down. Get a notebook out and just write all the scriptures down. You can even do it to soul if you have enough time. And you'll see that that's what God is after the whole time. When he says to us, what profits a man to gain the world? and to lose his soul. He's saying, you've gained all of this and you've lost your mind. How many people do we see that are, that are blowing up big time to the point that the church says, oh, I haven't arrived in my ministry of worship to God unless I'm on national platforms. He said, what profits a man? You've gained, you've gained the world, but you lost your transformed mind in Christ. If people don't roll out the BET lights in the red carpet, you don't want to minister to people. You don't want to sing in small church fronts because you're looking for the prophet of the world while you're losing your soul, you're losing your mind, you're losing your transformation in me. How can that be when we're getting caught up in knowing the world and not Christ? This battle is not given to the swift nor to the strong. We don't have to be educated. We don't have to be wealthy. He will work all that out in us if that is the desire of the Lord. But what we have to do is what? What's the last part of that text? Endure until the end. Why did he choose you? Because he knew you would endure until the end. Why did he confirm you? Because he knew with your crazy self you would endure until the end. Why did he select you out of your family? Because he knew that you would endure until the end. Could he chose somebody else? He most certainly could have, but he chose you and you and you and you. That was who he had on his mind. But he knew that no matter how many times you fall down, how many times you got back up the church could talk about you but you're going to give glory to God for if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side God looked for people who would endure until the end 
I pray that through this series, we're going to be born again. We're going to be born anew. Some of us may be born for the first time again in Christ. Again in Christ. That's oxymoron. Born again. Born anew in Christ. Because he's looking for hearts. He's looking for minds. Do you know how easy it is when he has both? It's, it's so easy. This walk I'm talking about is so easy. Your problems don't go away. He doesn't become a bridge over trouble, but he's the God that walks with you through trouble. You can walk through trouble when your mind is renewed. You can see mountains in your natural life, but in your spiritual life, your transformed mind, they're mohills. He would be like, why are you still standing? Because I'm transformed. How did you make it through that abusive situation? Because I was transformed. How did you make it all the nights you didn't have lights, you didn't have gas, you didn't have water? Because I'm transformed. How did you make it when the church was talking about you? Because I'm transformed. How did you make it when nobody even wanted you there? Because I'm transformed. My transformation is like David when he spoke to his wife. This ain't to you. I don't do this for Lisa or Pastor D or Thomasina. I do this unto the Lord. I offer him this worship. And David began to take off his clothes reminding himself and all his viewers this praise belongs to God man didn't earn it and man can't take it away this belongs to God father as we leave this place but never ever 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 your presence I pray for the spirit of the living God to rest on us to rule us to abide with us lead us in the scriptures the holy scriptures and the holy text on this week that this yoke may be easy and this burden is light. We're struggling down here, God, and we're struggling because we didn't take the whole loaf. We left some. We have trust issues. By right, we have trust issues. God, if you were here in the flesh, it would be so much easier, but you're sitting high in spiritual places in your kingdom, God. We need revelation. We need knowledge. We need, we need to be conformed to your kingdom and not of this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, our soul, our heart, our will, our emotions, our lust, our appetite, all the things that make up our soul. We want to serve you. We don't want to be an embarrassment to you. We don't want to be an embarrassment to ourselves. Not one person that takes the time every Sunday to get dressed, to fight past they're spiritual demons. To come into the house of the Lord is coming to be a disappointment to anyone. But God, so many of us have had to fake it. And so many have been faking it for years. And I pray that this word doesn't come to condemn, but that this word comes to be a help unto you. That tells you these next few weeks you're going to have to set aside are the most important days of your life. More important than the baptism that comes after. More important than your wedding day. I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to be like the text in Romans 8 and 28. To this I know. I want to be aware. I want to be conscious. And I want it in my mind. God, I thank you for each and every person. Under the sound of my voice. And I pray for ministering angels to minister to them throughout the week. I pray for angels of wisdom, intel, and intellect that will lead them to the scriptures. And they will begin to see the revelation unfold regarding the heart 
the mind, and the soul. That, God, we truly want to be like you. We just don't know how. Take us through these texts over these next few weeks. Even through our rebirth or giving of our heart and mind, may someone else see the change in our lives and want to ask us the question, what must I do to be saved? And our response will not be, come to my church on Sunday morning. Our response will be, I would like to take you through the scriptures and help you learn about salvation so that you can give him your heart and your mind and be transformed to the new life in Christ. I thank you for each person here today. God bless you all and go in peace in Jesus' name. As the church prepares to go, if there's anyone that wants to be a part of the Apostles' House, you can come now, as always. Anyone who is in need of prayer, you do not want to leave here. Something big is coming this week, and you just want someone to touch and agree with you. You can always come up at the end of the service when we make any appeal. That is your time, and the minister will meet you here. For the rest of the congregation, God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for those who joined with us today. Amen.